The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. All teaching at The Refuge Church is from the Bible, and we've been going through John for, this is our 10th week now, out of 41 weeks in the book of John. And we've just wanted to hold our attention to the person of Jesus as he walks through the book of John to see how he lives, to imitate him, him to learn from him. And so as we start each week, we've been, we've been sharing this, that, that each of us come from a very different place. The person you sit next to probably was raised very different from you, maybe you came from a poor family, they came from a rich family. Some of us came from families where, where the first thing you heard was the name of Jesus, and, and some of you, uh, you didn't hear about Jesus at all growing up. Um, no matter where you come from, the book of John is for you. It's for, for people who, I think, question whether, whether Jesus is really for them or not. Um, in the end of the book of John, it says this, These stories in John are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. In John 1.14, in the message translation, it says that the word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. So we get to actually see how he lived. This morning, the question I want to ask you guys just as we start is, is I, want to, I want to paint two pictures for you of, of two different types of people, and I want, I want to see if you relate with one of them in particular. The first is this. Um, are you somebody who has been going to church for a while, a long time, and, and you've never actually put your faith in Jesus? And even though you've been coming a long time, you never put your faith in Jesus, it's just become something you kind of do. Uh, maybe it, it, initially you were interested, it was something exciting to you, you were curious about it, um, and then it just became comfortable for you. That's person one. Person two is this, are you maybe somebody who's committed to following Jesus, and, and you remember back in that day when you committed to following him, and it was like, it was like life opened up, and for the first time, you experience peace and joy, even direction and purpose in your life that you'd never had before. And, and yet now, that is like a memory, right? That you look back and you're like, man, I remember when I was just so excited about Jesus. And yet that's a remember when moment. That isn't something that, that any longer can, can define you or describe you. A statistic I read a couple weeks ago was this, that 64% of people in church no longer say they feel the presence of God. 64% of people who go to church just say they just don't feel the presence of God anymore. Well, here's the good news. That just because we stop caring about God, just because we stop caring about God doesn't mean that God has stopped caring about you. Just because we stop caring about God doesn't mean that he has stopped caring about you. And the question here is, what do I do when I just don't care? What do I do when I just don't care anymore? Um, That's where we find this guy in John 5 where we are today. 
I think this is one of the most appropriate, most pertinent, most timely messages for the Church of America, right? Um, maybe when religion, right? Religion, which means just something I, I say I'm a part of, has just become habitual for you. It's a thing you do every week. When someone asks you, hey, what do you do this week? And you're like, I went to church, right? Maybe, maybe just that thing that describes a part of your life. What do I do when I just don't care anymore? And some of you might be feeling like you're on that edge. So, uh, if you will, turn with me to John 5, 1 through 7. You can also just read it up here. This is one of the saddest stories in the Gospels, I believe. And this is how it goes. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then moving on to verse 8. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. This is really interesting. They just don't care that he was healed. (laughs) They're like, hey, stop carrying your mat. Um, but he replied, the man who made me well uh, said, pick up your mat and walk. So he kind of just blames Jesus for healing him. Um, so then they asked him, who is this fellow that picked up, who told you to pick it up and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Uh, take note, whenever somebody heals you, just go ahead and like at least register their face, you know. Um, <laughs> going on. Okay, I'll just pick up here. Um, the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So, the context here, just starting at the very beginning, is, I think two really cool contexts are, one, that we know where it happened, and we don't just know where it happened because they, they said that it's this place with a pool called Bethesda, and there's five colonnades, but literally we know it was there because we've actually dug this place up. So we know that there was a pool and we found the five colonnades. The interesting thing is that, that uh, it wasn't just like a Jewish sacred spot. It was actually a spot where um, different religions all had this kind of myth that these waters were holy and they were sacred. And that if you got in the water, you would be healed. And so we know a lot about this place and we've actually found it. And so we can go back, you can go back and visit the Pool of Bethesda still to this day which is awesome and just speaks to the validity of these stories. The second is really interesting. We're in verse, um, 
verse 6, where it says, Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to get well? And, and the idea here is that Jesus didn't go by and just have this sense that the man was, that he was just supposed to heal the man. It said he learned, which means that he had been asking around. And so somehow he had acquired information about this man, and then he asked the man. And so there's two things in this story that are very different than a lot of healing stories, which one is, is that Jesus didn't, it didn't say like, move by the spirit, he heals the man, and it doesn't say that by faith this man was healed. So Jesus doesn't at the end of this story, like it says in a lot of healing stories, say your faith has healed you. And, and one of the reasons for that is because the man seemed to not show a lot of care. He was what we're going to call apathetic, which means lacking uh, enthusiasm or interest. Literally, this is a guy who's kind of lost interest in life. And we'll see that if you're following along in your notes, The first point we're going to look at today is this, that apathy is when our deep desires don't excite us anymore. When our deep desires, what we desire so much, they just don't have any excitement for us anymore. And we see this here in verse 6, which is amazing, right? Jesus says to him, do you want to get well? What, What would your response be? You've been crippled for 38 years? Most of us would say, yeah. <laughs> right? We'd be like, yeah, I got two legs. I'd like them both to work. Right? And we'd like, we'd like really go for it. And, and yet, what does this man do? This man is the essence of boring. Verse 7, sir. <laughs> and he makes this elaborate excuse. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. Well, I'm trying to get in. Someone else gets out of Right? So Jesus is like, do you want to get well? And he's like, I just, I, I don't get in the pool fast enough. Right? His, his apathy is incredible. For 38 years, he has been crippled. And no longer, get this, no longer is healing a reality for him anymore. For 38 years, he's been camping out here. And in, in the, in the, uh, over those 38 years, he has absolutely lost the hope that I think he could be healed. And I think the other thing is this, he's become comfortable with his disability. He's become comfortable with it. I think as Jesus, and this is totally, this is totally a guess, but my guess is as Jesus went around and talked to everyone, this is probably what came out, 38 years, he's been here the longest He's probably seen as kind of like the ringleader, like the chairperson of the club, of like gathering around the pool. And so he probably has taken, in some sense, an ownership of his, his disability, right? And so in, in that way, when Jesus says, do you want to be a well again, he's no longer excited about the idea or the possibility that you can be well. Right? I think what this looks like for, for us in our lives is that when we talk about the joy that's found in salvation, it's the bygone days, right? Oh, man. Like, and and then we, sometimes we talk about that person who just got baptized, and we're like, oh, I remember that. You know, I remember that. That was great. And yet we personally are no longer excited about it. The, the second point is this. The apathy is doing what's right because you are told to. 
Apathy is doing what's right just because you're told to. Um, A great example for this, if you have children, you will relate with this more than anyone else, is when you try to give your children the nutrition they need to live. I just, that's just sustenance. Like, I need to get you carbs. I need to get you protein. We can get some amino acids in there. Hey, why don't you take a multivitamin while you're at it, right? My, my oldest sister, Rebecca, her, her son, August, for the majority of his life, he has consumed his nutrition through smoothies. Like, they will smoothie everything. Because if you give that, that little boy anything other than pancakes and a quesadilla, this is what he looks like. Right? He, he is just petrified at the idea that you would, you would not, you know, you would care for him enough that you're not poisoned. I don't know what's going on in his head. It's totally irrational. But, but this is the case in our lives that I think um, when Jesus said, do you want to be well? And then, and then Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. We see everything in this man being reluctant to actually participate in it. So much so to the fact that when they, they, the priests, Pharisees question him about this, he's like, well, just some guy told me to walk with my mat. Right? His response isn't, I've got legs, they work! Like there's an, there's an excitement over what God has done in his life. It, it, the fact of his healing is completely lost on the Pharisees in this man. Um, and I think that's what happens for us a lot in, in the church where, where no longer are we compelled to follow after God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength because we love him but because we're just doing what is right. That's not the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment is not do what's right. Just do it. No, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the fact is our hearts to a large extent have just stopped working. And it doesn't concern us anymore. And and so what I hope that we do is we get deeply concerned about the fact that maybe we aren't affectionate for God or or we're not loving one another with care and sensitivity and compassion. Let's be concerned about those things. And I think the concern about those things when we see the answer, do you want to be well? Do you want to love? We'd say, please, I want my heart to work again. The third point is this. Apathy is never noticing the person next to you. Apathy is never noticing the person next to you, even if it is the savior of the world. Never noticing the person next to you, even if it is the savior of the world. Here, this man has, has been healed, and he has taken no notice of the person that has healed him. Um, There's a story I read in a, in a book um, by two guys, Stanley Harvoss and Jean Vanier, this last week, called Living Gently in a Violent World. And it shared the story of a, a man, a businessman, successful businessman, who, whose wife um, struggled with very severe amnesia, couldn't remember anything. Um, and yet he, he stopped working just so he could take care of his wife. And it, it shared this moment where it's like 
the eyes of his wife cleared and he was able to, she was able to recognize him and, and thanked him for what he was doing. And his story was very powerful. And as I prepared for the sermon, I thought that in many ways we have the same sort of amnesia. Um, we struggle with the same not recognizing the one who's cared for us so much. Remember, and that's the, the big idea here, is just because you've stopped caring doesn't mean Jesus has stopped caring for you. Just because maybe your heart doesn't feel love towards God doesn't mean that God's heart has loved you any less. Just because we don't respond to God doesn't mean that God's heart doesn't respond when he sees you going through your day-to-day. This is a big idea. Just because you don't acknowledge, maybe just because we don't acknowledge the kingship, the lordship of God over all things, that he is sovereign over everything, just because we don't acknowledge that doesn't mean he is not powerful and king of kings and lord of lords and sovereign over all things, just because we don't acknowledge that doesn't mean that that isn't the case. But will we take time to notice that? I think a lot of us, we, we trust our sense. Oh, I'll just know what's true. Um, I think in a lot of ways that's apathy. Um, oh, when I see the good thing, I'll respond to it. And, and the fact is, we don't. In John 1, in verse 9, it says this. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? The true light that gives light to everyone, everybody, everybody was coming into the world. That's awesome. The true light that was going to give light to everyone was coming into the world. Verse 9 of chapter 1. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Isn't this incredible? Although the world was made through him, although everything, although your life traces its beginning to him, we did not recognize him. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. This is apathy. He's never noticing the person next to you, even if it is the savior of the world. And he was not noticed. So don't think, don't think for a moment that you will just get it, that you'll just know, that you'll just notice him. Is your heart ready to see the one who's healed you? Maybe at some point you did and it amazed you. And maybe it's been a long time since you've acknowledged and noticed him. The fourth point is this, and this is really important. To stay apathetic, to stay in a place of not caring and not knowing, keep doing exactly what you've been doing. Go for it. Just keep doing what you're doing and think things are going to change. Right? And that's what, that's what Jesus says in, um, in the end of this story to the man who he is healed. In verse 14, John 5 verse 14, it says, later Jesus found him. So Jesus kind of slipped away, and it says later he found the man at the temple. Like he was invested in this guy, even though the guy doesn't care about him at all. (laughs) He later finds him, and he says, see, you are well again. Look, isn't this like Jesus is like, man, isn't this cool? 
And it says, then this is it. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Um, I, in John 9, which we'll be looking at in a couple of weeks, um, we find a man who's blind and the disciples say, is he blind because someone sinned? Did he send his parents? And he said, no, no, no one sinned for this man to be blind. We get a different story here. Um, I believe the man sinned and in some way because of his sin, he, he lost the ability to walk, which is incredible. And so Jesus heals him and then he warns him, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And we see the guy doesn't get it, right? He goes and just tattletales on Jesus, which is very interesting. Um, but we're, we're left, this is the end of the story. And this is, this is incredible. So, how do we, what do we do if we just don't care anymore? And Jesus' response is, see what I've done for you, and then stop. Stop sinning. There's this incredible um, step four, if you've ever gone through the 12-step program. Um, it says this, make a searching and fearless inventory of our lives. And this is what Jesus is saying here, I think. Stop, make a searching and fearless inventory of your life. What has led you to this place? What has led you to this place where you just don't feel anymore, where your heart isn't beating anymore, where you don't care anymore? Stop and make a searching inventory of your life. The psalmist Davis, David says the same thing. He says, search me and know me and see if there's any wicked way in me. See if there's any thing in me that's keeping, and lead me in your way. Make that your prayer. Search me and know me. and See if there's any way that's keeping me from you and lead me in your way. Or the warning is, it will likely get a lot worse. You won't, you won't just shake out of your apathy. Right? You won't shake out of not caring. Guys, what you've been given in Jesus is of incomparable worth and incomparable value. And, and I'm just going to wrap up with a reminder for that and a correct response that we see in the book of Matthew. Matthew 13, 44. In Matthew 13, 44, Jesus gives a couple different parables. And this, this is one that, that has always been powerful for me, actually. The first time I remember hearing this was at a missions conference. Um, and, and the man was a missionary with Frontiers Missions, and he literally cried through quoting this verse because of all how it had motivated him and these other missionaries that he had, he had shared life with. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went and sold all that he had, and he bought that field. As the kingdom of heaven is a treasure. And if it has lost its value in your eyes does not mean it has become valueless. It is the greatest kingdom of all time. It is a kingdom without end. It is a kingdom that started before time began because it, it had King Jesus already on the throne. All the kingdoms have come and gone. They have failed and yet this kingdom does not end. And at some point, if you have come to faith in Jesus, you realize the value of that great treasure. And this is still available to any of us. When you find it, 
Go and with joy, not reluctance, but with joy, acknowledging this is of greater worth than anything else. Sell everything you have and go for it. You want to reject apathy? Sell everything you have and experience the greatest treasure of all time. Win that treasure by by acknowledging its value. Notice the one who saved you and the one who healed you. Um, guys, I love you, and, and I just hope we get to do this together. I hope we get to shake one another out of our apathy. Um, reminding each other, man, if you stop caring, it doesn't mean, it does not mean that Jesus has stopped caring for you. So pray with me and let's worship him together. God, you are of incomparable worth. You made yourself just the treasure of our lives. You made us in such a way to find completion in you, to notice things big like thunderstorms and things small like the laugh of a child and all these things that, that they were created by the word of your mouth. And in you they still live and move and have their being. God, help us notice and and not just um, appreciate but adore you. God, fill our hearts with affection for you. We can love well you and others. God, if some of us have fallen asleep in our faith, I pray you'll, you'll stir us awake even today. God, thank you for pursuing us into these places we find ourselves in. Search us and know us. Lead us in your way. We pray in Jesus' mighty name, amen.